This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emrys, CPA with Parmels and Associates. So this is my last episode for 2022. And for some of you, you might have already worked your last day of 2022. So the plan for this week and next week is going to cover a couple end of year items, but also discuss what you should be doing as a shop owner at this time. What would I be doing you know, at the end of the year if I owned a shop? And also some of this stuff is stuff that I'm doing for my business as well. Next week, I'm going to be doing an episode on what 2023 holds for us in our businesses, um, but also kind of in the economy as a whole. Uh, now, obviously, who knows what the future holds, but I'm going to go into kind of what I think is going on or what I think is going to happen and what we need to be doing as business owners to hopefully adapt and stay ahead of this stuff. Before we get into that, though, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Checking your balance when you close is a pain, unless you have end-of-day payments from Shopware. It tallies all transactions and puts your mind at ease when you see your daily snapshot. GetShopware.com At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care endorsed program, their unique done-for-you marketing platform takes the guesswork out of the equation. Please visit them at RepairShopOfTomorrow.com So, a couple quick ones, right? I have to give you guys some quick end of year. And I guess these are really more tax advice, but these are just kind of the biggest questions I've been getting in the last couple of weeks that we still have, what, I guess when you hear this one, really like two working days left in the year. But, you know, I reminded you guys a couple of weeks about this, but I wouldn't be a true accountant if I didn't remind you about some of this or kind of give you a quick tip here. You know, before we get into this, go back and listen to episode 42. I go into, you know, a whole episode on end of year tax tips and what you should be doing. But three big ones I just want to kind of put out there because they are time sensitive. So the first one is company retirement plans. So whether that's a 401k or simple IRA, max them out if you can. And the reason why I'm saying this and why it's time sensitive is by the time you're listening to this, you have like two days left. Both simple IRA and 401k contributions have to be done during the year, and also they have to be run on payroll. So if you haven't done that and you plan to do that, hang up, pause this episode, and go do that now. But make sure it gets on a payroll, that the payroll date is before the end of the year. Not you know when it's funded or anything like that, not when you run payroll. That date on that check has to say, you know, December 31st or whatever, because that's the day that it's actually going to, you know, hit the taxes and be on your W-2, which is what we're looking for here. So reminder, make sure you max those out. Has to be done on payroll, has to be done in this calendar year, which is really weird to think that it's almost a new year. Just kind of getting a hang of saying 2022 and that's out the window. Next thing is equipment. Leasehold improvements, right? A lot of people scrambling to try and get stuff done, try and get stuff bought before the end of the year. Even some people trying to scramble and buy businesses because buying equipment, you know, making leasehold improvements if they're qualified or buying a new business that has equipment and stuff like that, it's going to be a monstrous tax savings. But just like the company retirement account, we have a deadline here that's coming up. Now, the thing that is a little bit different on equipment, leasehold improvements and buying new businesses is the actual dollars and cents of, hey, I need to pay this stuff out doesn't really matter for most people because as long as that paperwork says December 31st and you sign on a dotted line, that is going to be a tax deduction for you. 
And so again, we went into this a couple weeks ago, but if you're looking to buy a new truck, make sure that it's got a purchase contract for December 31st. Even if you haven't made a single loan payment on it, as long as you sign on the dotted line, we get the tax deduction. You got contractor doing leasehold improvements, redoing the walls, redoing you know the floors in there, whatever it might be. Again, make sure that they invoice you before the end of the year. Now, if you're cash basis, you might actually have to write a checkout for it, but most clients and most shops are accrual basis, meaning as long as they bill you for that work this year, then we're good to go and good to take that deduction. And the last one I mentioned, right, for, and I was working with one of my clients on this, he wanted to close on this new business this year because he gets a tax benefit from it. And the seller wants to close next year because they don't want to pay tax on it that quickly, right? And so we have a situation here at the end of the year where we have a buyer and a seller with two vested interests. And I guess this is the same thing if you're buying real estate too, but real estate's a pretty bad tax deduction. So I don't really care as much on as what I would for buying, you know, a business that has equipment. But again, just like we were talking about for, you know, buying a car or something like that. If you buy the business and you settle and that purchase contract shows December 31st, I'm going to use as a 2022 expense. That's when it's on paper. That's when it's recorded. That's when a deal actually happened. Yeah, if that's a bank holiday and the bank can't wire the money to the seller until next week, then who cares, right? Because it doesn't have anything to do with us. As long as that contract says today, it's going to be treated for tax purposes, just like you funded and paid that cash on the 31st. Now, one thing here to uh, keep in mind is if you're on the other side of the fence, right? If you're trying to sell your business and you're trying to delay it till next year, just because of reasons I just said, then this situation that just came up a couple of days ago with one of my clients could work for you too. Because that deal that I laid out there where the paperwork, the settlement, all the signing takes happen, takes place in 2022, but the actual funding of the deal doesn't take place until 2023 can actually work out for you as a seller. Because yes, that paperwork says 2022, but if you do not have the money from the buyer, like you're holding the note on it, or the bank because they just didn't fund it yet, then for your purposes, you can probably treat that as a 2023 transaction on the seller side of things, right? So just like I was saying before, where it's become an issue for my client that's the buyer, you can also work that in your favor as a seller and maybe be able to pose something like this to you know the parties involved. Now, again, if you're listening to this, um, might be a little late in the year to go back to the negotiating table. But hey, let's just say that I have that one person out here listening to this, that is listening to this, driving to their closing, if you're able to sign the paperwork today and convince the bank to not fund this deal until 2023, could work it on your favor. Now, do not do that without talking to your accountant, talking to your lawyer and stuff like that, but just something to throw out there because that was what my client was able to come up with that was a win-win for both parties. Now, knock on wood, hopefully the deal still goes through, um, but just want to kind of throw it out there. So last one on here of kind of highlighting some of these end of year tax tips and stuff that's time sensitive is just like we were talking about making sure we run that company retirement contribution on payroll this year. Same thing with end of year bonuses, right? If you're giving bonuses out to your team, it's been a hard year. They've done a good job and we know how tight the labor market is. So take care of the people that you have. But for tax purposes, we want to make sure that that payroll is getting um, deducted and going to hit in 2022, 
right? So let's say that you run, you know, your bonuses for the guys, you know, today or tomorrow. And you say, all right, perfect guys, great year. Here's what you're going to get on the bonus. And it's going to hit your payroll next Friday. That's a little bit late. Right. Because what's going to happen there is, yes, they're still going to get their uh, bonus check, but that's going to be 2023 income for them and correspondingly 2023 deduction for you. Now, if you're having a really bad year, income is down, you don't really need the expense, maybe not the end of the world and could even be advisable here. But if you're trying to do this, obviously not only take care of your team, but also get a deduction for it, make sure that payroll is going to hit in 2022. So again, go back and listen to episode 42 if you want to kind of go down through the full hit list of it. Now, keep in mind, I did that first week of December. A lot of those things are probably not relevant or possible given that we have two days left, uh, two working days left when you're listening to this. But hey, if any more um, things come up about it or if you say, oh, crap, I got to do that, then stop at this part of the episode and go and handle that stuff and then come back and listen to this other stuff later um, or even another day. So that's enough kind of end of year tax stuff, you know, and and there is a lot of talk about what is 2023 going to bring. Is the world even going to be here? Is the economy going to crumble? You'll get all my thoughts on this next week. But seriously, now is the time to decide what you want your 2023 to look like. And, you know, I really kind of, I wouldn't say stole this idea because it's not a new idea, but what happened during COVID, you know, was obviously crazy. We like to not even think about that. But, you know, when I talked to some of my shops, some of them were obviously panicking and some of them did extremely well, right? And in the long run, most all shops, you know, COVID turned out to be a net positive for them from a business standpoint solely. But one of the things, you know, early on in this that I was really intrigued by is some of my shops obviously saw a decrease in car count. Customers got nervous. The economy as as a whole kind of got a little bit shaky there. But I had a lot of clients that said, no, we just decided when this went down that we weren't going to allow this to affect our business. And it didn't. Right. They were calling customers. They were following up on people. They were going to pick up cars. And they just said, you know what? All this stuff going on outside of my business is just something I'm not going to allow it to seep inside and affect me. And we're going to do whatever we can to hit our goals, exceed our goals and make this the best year possible. And I thought that that was just such a really cool idea of they just made a mental stand of like, hey, this is not going to affect us. And I'll use kind of that same example for 2023 going forward. Okay, yeah, we're going to talk about what we think is going to happen in the economy and, you know, the stock market and all kinds of stuff next week. But to a certain degree, Who cares about all that? Let's focus on what you want to do and what you want your business to look like and to a certain degree, your personal life for next year. So kind of go down through here, you know, a couple questions that I'm going to pose to you and you need to pose to yourself. And the first one is, how much money do you want to make? How much money do you want to make next year? Do you want to make more money? Do you want to make less money? Is there a certain dollar figure that you want to hit? And we talked about this in more detail in episode 31 about setting a sales target based on your desired net profit. So let's say you're sitting here right now and if you want to set a goal for next year, you better know how much you made this year or going to make this year. But if you want to say, hey, I want to hit that $300,000 mark, is that the same of what you've been doing now? If it is, then maybe you need to share that with your team and say, hey, guys, we had an awesome year. We need just need to keep on doing what we've been doing and we're going to, you know, do perfectly fine. Now, I imagine if you sit down and you really think about what 2023 is going to look like or what you want it to look like, you're not going to have the same number 
that you have right now. Realistically, no one says, hey, you know what? I made 300 grand this year. I'm just going to make 300 grand next year, right? Let's shoot for something. Let's strive for something, even if it's small, right? I'm not saying you need to go from 300 to 800,000. I'll be honest with you. If you try and set as your target, I hope you prove me wrong, but it's going to be very difficult and it's going to be very uncomfortable. But again, if that's what your target is, cool, do it. Let's make it happen. But like I was saying, even if you kind of want to stay about the same, if you want to make the same amount of profit next year, you at least at a bare minimum have to add 10% just to keep up with inflation. But throw a number out there, figure what it is. But no matter what that net profit target is, is you can't kind of uh, set a target on net profit because net profit is not an actionable item. If you go to your team and say, hey, you know, I want to make $300,000, they're going to say, that's great, but how are we involved in that whole picture? And this is where they get involved. We need to set a sales target, right? Or a lot of different measurable targets as far as numbers. But first one I'm going to hammer home is going to be the sales, right? Hey, if I want to hit this target of, of net profit based on my fixed expenses and my current gross profit, I need to hit this much in sales. Are your service advisors or general managers aware of these target sales? Or is that gross profit that you need in order to meet these goals? Is that a reasonable gross profit target? Because realistically, what happens, and I've been doing this last couple of weeks with my clients is, hey, you know what? In order to meet the goals of what we set, we can't do this on sales alone because it's just not realistic, whether we don't have the space or don't have the cars or don't have the people to be able to do that amount in sales based on the current gross profit. And so what most people usually come to the conclusion of, well, hey, not only do I need to do some more work, I also need to get paid more for the work that I'm already doing. I need to increase my labor rate. I need to tweak my parts gross profit because maybe if I keep my same gross profit, I need to increase my sales 50% to hit my goal well, if I improve my gross profit in a couple of key areas here, I only need to increase my sales about $10,000 or something silly. So take a look at that stuff and figure out, all right, what is my sales target? What is my gross profit dollar and or percentage target? And make sure that your team, meaning your service advisors and general managers in this case, are aware of this. Also, if you don't know where to start, you know, talk to your coach, right? A lot of you listening probably work with a coach on this. This is the kind of stuff that they're probably already doing with you. And if they're not, probably something that I would say, hey, I would like to kind of sit down and kind of, you know, go over my roadmap with you and see if you kind of come up to um, the same conclusions or they can add anything onto this. Now, don't rely on, you know, a coach or an accountant or anyone like that to come up with your target for you because they don't know what you want, right? You need to figure out what that ultimate target looks like at the very minimum. Hey, this is the numbers or what I want it to look like. Now, if you don't know how, perfect. That's what you hire professionals to help you with. But you got to figure out what is your goal, what is your end result. Now, another thing on this is I always tell people this is a whole team has to be involved in this, right? So if our service advisors and general managers know what our target is, then you need to make sure that your technicians are aware of this as well. Hey, in order for the sales goal to happen, and I don't want to hire any more people, my technicians need to go from an average of 30 a week to 35 hours a week. But I can't just tell my service advisors that or my general manager that and leave my technicians in the dark because they're not going to know that and they're not going to know what they need to do to make sure that everyone wins here. Now, for some of you have a bigger shop where it's well insulated enough where you can set all of your goals or all of your targets with a general manager or manager in general, and they kind of fill in everyone else. 
But a lot of people have someone that kind of, you know, insulates them from uh, certain maybe professional and HR type stuff. But a lot of them aren't analytical enough that they're going to be able to break this stuff down without your help. So at the very least, you should probably run some numbers and say, hey, either I can go talk to the people, you can go talk to the people. But all in all, the entire team needs to be on the same place in order for us to achieve this goal. We all have bad days where we just turn to someone and ask, how the heck do I fix this? When that happens to you on the business side, which may not be your strong suit, you want someone quick and you want them to be clear. That's exactly what Dan Groen from Detroit Garage found when he peppered the folks at Shopware with questions about how to make the most of its shop management system. As he puts it, they continually solve the curveballs that we throw at them. With seven shops, Dan jokes that he is a demanding client, but that is a sign of a guy committed to his business. Even better, the Shopware support team met every challenge with, in Dan's words, impressive capabilities and vigor. No complaints, no hassles, just a commitment to help Dan through his day. As Dan says, we make each other stronger. Now that's a partnership that works. It is time. Visit GetShopware.com. At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care endorsed coaching and marketing program, their unique industry-proven marketing platform takes the guesswork out of the equation. Instead of taking a shotgun approach, Repair Shop of Tomorrow uses predictive marketing that focuses on bringing the right cars into your shop. They utilize social media, email marketing, direct mail, personalized newsletters, and Napa value-added programs to create quality car count for their clients. This same branded message, same branded content marketing approach is bringing in the right customers and bringing them in more often, which is helping their clients add more net profit to the bottom line. If your current marketing strategy isn't yielding the results you would like, please reach out to Repair Shop tomorrow to get your marketing efforts dialed in. For more information about their program, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. Are you properly staffed to meet this goal, right? Do you have enough technicians? Hey, maybe you have enough technicians, but if you do that much more in work, are you going to have enough people in the front counter? Are you going to have enough people to answer the phones? Are you going to have enough people to keep up with, you know, a number of tasks on this? And if not, who do you need to add? And another question is, when do you need to add them, right? Because if you look at any growing business or anything growing, really, it doesn't just take a sharp increase or a sharp, you know, upward turn and then level out again. It's almost generally, you know, a gradual rise. It might be steep, it might be shallow on it. Well, hey, if you're trying to ramp up here so that ultimately you hit your target for next year, you might be okay on, you know, staff right now, but maybe not in March, maybe not in April, maybe not in October. And you need to kind of set a goal there. Well, hey, I know that right now I have enough people to do all this work. But if we hit $100,000 a month or 100 hours a week or whatever it is, I'm going to need to add another person. Now, do you kind of go out and estimate when that is? Yeah, you're going to have to put a date in the sand when you think this is going to happen. Hey, you know what? Based on the trajectory right now, I think that's going to happen in June. You need to be doing things before then more than likely. Hey, if you want to hire someone in June... Do you need to start interviewing people now? Not necessarily, but I would probably start looking because like I said, the labor market is tight right now. 
If you want to kind of have your pick of the litter, then what better case to do that than to have six months? Hey, you know what? I got six months, so I don't need to settle on someone. But if someone really good pops up, I can jump on them and make sure that I kind of get the right person in that place. Now, also, you need to make sure that you can kind of stay on top of this. Hey, maybe June is when you're going to hit that magic number or something is going to happen there, but you need to constantly be reevaluating this. Holy cow, you know, 2023 started off gangbusters. You know what? We're going to need that extra person probably in March, if not even sooner versus, you know, in June when we thought. What is that going to do to you? It's going to increase your urgency, right? Whether you're doing this or you're delegating to someone else, hey, you know what? We really need to get someone in the door, right? We need that person. It's now costing us money. So let's make sure that we stay on top of that. You know, the whole reason why we're doing this is we're trying to be proactive, not reactive, right? We're trying to make sure we hit our goal and make sure that we're doing things at a reasonable pace versus being reactive and, you know, spending your entire year putting out fires and trying to organize chaos. Another thing is, is do you have enough cars to meet your goal, right? You might have set a sales target on that and say, you know what? I have enough cars to do that. You know, I probably need to increase my average repair order a little bit but we're touching enough cars where that's going to be fine. What happens if the economy kind of takes a downturn? What happens if people stop coming in? Do you have a big enough client base to kind of absorb that? Or do you need to start adding more people in this again to just be proactive? And lastly, on kind of the car count things, if you're trying to add cars, means that you're probably doing some marketing or advertising. Most of my clients don't do all of this stuff themselves. They're relying on vendors and professionals to do this for them. This is exactly the conversation that I would be having with them. Whether you kind of break down and say, hey, guys, I need 10 more cars a month. How are we going to do this? Or go back to them with kind of, you know, more kind of concrete, just kind of some thoughts and feelings and say, hey, what do you guys recommend as far as a plan here in order to meet this goal? Do you think that we're okay on our advertising right now to kind of maintain in the market? Or should we be spending some money now to make sure that we stand out so when things do slow down, it's not going to affect us, right? Just like what we said before, you're going to choose that whatever happens outside of your business is not going to affect it. But if you're not doing some planning here, if you're not being proactive, you have no shot but to just go along with the motion of the economy and your overall locality in general. Last one on here is, do you have the proper equipment, facility, or space to handle this goal? Is this realistic? Hey, I want to do this amount in sales with three technicians. You got two lifts. Obviously, you're not properly equipped. You need another lift in there. Kind of a no-brainer type situation, but it goes into smaller details and stuff like that. Hey, do we have enough scan tools, right? Is that causing us an issue? Are we slowing down a production because they're, you know, sharing this uh, tire machines, all kinds of stuff, right? Are we properly equipped to be able to handle this, not only from a personnel standpoint, but also equipment standpoint? Again, facility or space here. Maybe you have the proper square footage, but maybe it's kind of not conducive to what you want to do just based on some layout and clutter and stuff like that. Clean some stuff out, rearrange this. Um, no better time to do that than now. And the last one on it is space, right? A lot of people say, well, Hunt, you know what? I've kind of done as much sales as I can based on my current location. 
I'm just physically limited. I always challenge people and say, well, hey, we can always do more, right? I highly doubt you're maximizing that space 100%. But a lot of cases, you know, they would concede maybe not 100%, but we're at about 98%, you know? And if this is the situation with you and you own the building or it's possible, hey, maybe this is when you plan to say, hey, we're going to do an addition here. We're going to expand what we have to be able to do more work at our current location. Other people, they say, you know what, for whatever reason, they can't expand what they have right now. So do you need it to be looking at another location to possibly move your business to or another location to add on to your current one as well? I have done a lot of talking about, you know, adding locations and stuff like that. So obviously you can go back and reference those. Not going to get into those this week here. But, you know, ultimately here to kind of wrap all this stuff up from this aspect is if things don't go your way, it won't be for lack of trying. But if you don't set a goal at all, then you're never going to hit it because it doesn't even exist. Well, maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're thinking about wrapping up, right? Maybe you've had enough of this stuff, been doing this for 40 years and 2023 is going to be your last year. Now, I would have completely different sets of advice if this is your case. And even if not 2023, but you're like, Hunt, I'm done trying to grow this thing. I'm done trying to blow this out of the water. I'm trying to tread water and get the heck out of here. I respect that, completely understand it. And just like we talked about the other week, how much is your time worth is a very, very valuable thing to understand and grasp. So if I was going to sell my shop in the next year or maybe 18 months, I would want to make sure that I had the answers to all of these questions. Uh, Maybe not the answer completely, but have some general direction on where I'm going. So the first one is, is do I know how much my business is worth? How do you even kind of make any further in any of these things unless you kind of know how much money you were talking about? Money is not the ultimate thing. Some people just say, you don't even care if I get any money. I just want to get away from this. And if you have enough personal retirement, stuff like that, maybe it's fine. But if you don't know how much your business is worth, you don't even know that if it's going to answer the question of, is this going to be enough money for me to even retire? And it might seem like a weird idea here, but it could be for two reasons. One, you might not have to worry about your business. You might not rely on it. But two, you might also not have a realistic expectation of what your business is worth. Every single year, I have two to three conversations that's very uncomfortable. But essentially, the long and short of it is, Mr. Client, Mrs. Client, this is what I think that your business is worth. Or maybe you've went and tested the market and you've realized that the business is worth X amount. Now, between paying taxes and paying off the debt that the business has, you're going to walk away with maybe no money, sometimes would actually have to bring money to the table, or maybe a very small amount of money. And it's a wake-up call for them. Because maybe in the back of their mind, they said, perfect, I'm going to ride off into the sunset. And after selling my business, I'm going to walk away with a million bucks. And that is going to be good with me. Imagine getting a phone call to realize that in order to sell your business, you would have to come to the table or end up owing the tax man another $100,000. Completely earth-shattering for people. And especially if you've already started to make plans after retirement. So if you're planning on doing this, first things first, figure out how much your business is worth. Make sure that the math works. Make sure that the cash works. And if it doesn't, at least you know now and you can have some time to start being able to change things and you know make it into, again, a goal that you can hit and be happy with. Another thing is, is do I know who I'm going to sell my business to? 
a lot of this kind of goes hands in hand with business worth. Um, something as simple as, hey, I'm probably going to sell it for a different amount, whether it's a longtime employee versus a random stranger off the street. But also the reason I bring this up is timing. If you're selling to a key employee and they know it's going to happen, then a lot of this stuff can kind of be delayed to the very last minute. Hey, we're good to go. We're good on the price. You know when you're going to take over. You've got your financing in line. Nothing I really need to be doing now. Enjoy your last year. Finish strong and ride it out. However, if you don't have that key employee or family member or anyone that you're going to sell it to, you're going to have to list this on the free market, right? Whether unofficially by kind of, you know, sharing around town or people that are interested or finding a broker and putting this on the market and seeing what the market holds. Again, just like if you were going to sell a house, you wouldn't decide to help sell your house and, you know, turn around and list it tomorrow. You got to find an agent. You got to, you know, do your research, make sure that you price it, make sure that your ducks are in a row on it and then ultimately list it. And then, you know, Take a look at offers, compare, maybe even get some bidding going on there. Again, timing. This is not something that happens overnight. If you're planning to sell it this year with a broker, I would really probably be calling a broker the first week of January, if not now already. Again, you can always delay this, right? If you come to a deal or if you come up with an interested party, it's very easy to push it back a couple months. Hey, you know what? By the thing, it's time's all said and done. Or we're looking like an October close on it. It's not out of the world to say, hey, you know what? I really kind of want to finish out the year. It's two months for you guys. We know about it now. Probably get away with it. However, if you're sitting here and it's now October and you're scrambling to find a buyer, it is going to be very, very hard and probably cost you money to accelerate that timeline and make this happen any sooner. So again, make sure you got a plan, make sure you're getting ahead of this stuff. What should I be doing or not doing actually in my business here if I plan to sell? Some of this stuff is kind of counterintuitive, but it's some mistakes that I see people that are finishing up their business that they're doing that's just kind of costing us money. And not to be cheap here, but if you plan to sell your business this year, really in the next 18 months, like I said, I wouldn't be spending money on things unless I absolutely needed to. And here's a couple of things on it of, you know, really two things I would be doing or looking at and two things that I would not be. So to start off, what would not be is small equipment, right? So miscellaneous tools or computer equipment or office furniture and desk and stuff like that. If you're out the door, don't go and buy any of this new stuff. There's no reason to go out and upgrade all your monitors or get a whole new printer setup system. If what you have right now is perfectly fine, there's no reason to spend that money. Sure, it might look better. It might, you know, if to a certain degree, it might kind of go into, you know, what I'm going to talk about later of curb appeal. But if you're just doing it just to get ahead of it, I probably wouldn't. The reason is, is if you come to my business and I'm looking to sell it and I say, I want $400,000 for it. And you're going to say, okay, great, whatever. You know, maybe it's too high. Maybe it's too low. But if I have all brand new computer equipment and I try and sell for the same price, really the conversation is no different. You're never going to get return on investment. And if you do, it's never going to be close to what you actually paid for that item. Now, if it's going to cost you money this year, don't be stupid. Go and buy this stuff. But if it's not actually going to already pay for itself this year, don't expect the ultimate buyer to kind of make up that shortfall. Same thing on large equipment. Sometimes I have had certain situations, especially if it's a big ticket item, uh, like an alignment machine. So I've had a client that put an alignment machine like three months before we sold it. Why? I have no idea, but he did. And so he actually was able to kind of negotiate that into the purchase price. But even in that situation, 
he didn't get close to the full amount. I think he was able to negotiate kind of like 50 cents on the dollar of what he ended up paying for it because the buyer's argument was, hey, I honestly don't even really care that much about it. I feel for you that you went out and spent it and I appreciate that you're going to have this. And yes, I am going to get some use out of it. The same flip side, I'm not going to pay you, you know, retail or what you paid for it because ultimately that's probably not where I would have spent my money, right? So keep in mind here, you're selling in the near future. Don't be buying stuff that you don't need to. Don't be buying equipment. Don't be buying small tools unless it's costing you money. Now, on the other side of things, what would I be doing if I'm selling my business in the next year to 18 months as far as spending? Um, Cheap curb appeal. Hey, if you're planning to sell this, especially if you're selling, trying to plan to sell this to an outside party, get someone to paint the building, right? Get someone to clean up the garden, you know, clean up the over around lot as well. If you had a guy or yourself or you hired someone to just come out with a weed whack or a leaf blower and some paint, they could kind of spruce that thing up for very, very cheap money. And again, just like if you're selling a house, would you just list your house without power washing it? Probably not. Some people do, but their overall selling price is going to affect it. You know, a little bit of elbow grease and a little bit of manual labor is ultimately going to be exponentially higher ROI here and maybe even make an easier, quicker sale as well. And the last one here that is kind of not really spending, but if you're planning to sell, especially if you're planning to sell this to an internal party, be working on your process and procedures, right? If you're selling to an outside party, processes and procedures aren't as important because, hey, as long as they pay you the money, you don't really care if they succeed or fail. Now, a lot of people want to make sure that their legacy is carried on and their people are taken care of. So overall, the health of the business will definitely affect that. But if you're selling to an internal party here, a longtime employee, we want to make sure that they're in the best position to succeed going forward. All that stuff that is in your head, make sure that not only you're imparting that wisdom on them, but also making sure that there's written process and procedures in place. The more and more that you do this this year, not only is it going to make a better business for you know the buyer of your business, no matter internal or external, but also it's going to be able to kind of uh, alleviate some of that stress or some of that let go when you finally don't have to come into the building. When I talk to a lot of shop owners, the financial aspect of it is kind of the easier thing about selling. For a lot of people, like this is your identity. This is your life. You've been doing this for 30 or 40 years and you have so much knowledge and know-how up in your brain and you're imparting that on people on a daily basis. Write that stuff down, right? And turn it into actionable items where people can use that and your legacy is carried on. And also just strictly from a time perspective, hey, if you make it more organized, if you make it kind of idiot proof on it, that long-term employee is probably not going to be calling you every single week, bugging you saying, boss, how do we do this? Or why did you always do that? Or where is this? Or how do I do this? You've already taught them. You've already taught her. You've already made sure that you give them all the tools that they need to succeed and make a good life for themselves and the rest of your team. So a couple more things here and kind of wrap up this year. You know, again, I wouldn't be a CPA if I didn't remind you about taxes The reason I say this is this is the same thing I've been telling all my clients. So whether you're my client or you have another accountant out there is some planning and preparation now will make your life less stressful and my life less stressful as well. So from the business side of it, making sure that you do your part so that the business financials can get closed out quicker. They get closed out the quicker they can get started on the business taxes. 
we almost never file a business tax return without having the personal taxes in because that allows us to make adjustments, see what we need to do with depreciation and stuff like that. But again, if we have your business stuff all done, there's only so far we can go with it until we see what your personal tax situation looks like. So make sure you get those documents together and make sure that you get those in as soon as possible. If I have a client that has all of their information in here at the end of January, their business is probably already going to be done and closed out. We're going to work on that. We're going to get that thing done out the door and start focused on 2023. However, if you sit here and delay and maybe your business is done, but you don't give your account any personal tax information until you know first week of April, you're not going to be able to get a tax return probably done. If we can get it done, it's going to be rushed. There's not going to be adequate time for conversation, back and forth, planning adjustments and stuff like that. Now, don't just start sending stuff as you receive it. Every year, I have at least one client that anytime they get some sort of tax document in the mail, they either scan it or mail it to us, and we just get a trickle of information that spans the course of two months. It's not really super productive. And honestly, if you're doing that to your accountant, they're probably just going to put it all into hold because they know that there's nowhere close to enough information to get going on this. But the same flip side is if you have 95% of your stuff together, send all that over to your accountant, right? And I tell people this all the time. Hey, will you have everything else? You're just waiting for that one brokerage statement. Send everything else in. We can at least get everything entered and we can put an estimate in for the brokerage so we can at least plan here and get this almost wrapped up. And then, yeah, you got us that brokerage statement the 1st of April. Perfect. We put in the actual figures, turn around and get it out the door, but we've already had the conversation on it. So make sure you get that in there. Makes your life easier, makes my life easier. But ultimately, if my life is easier, so is generally my clients as well. Everything that we've been talking about is really for your business. Um, But a lot of times, just like I've said before, a lot of times people do a really good job of planning and being proactive and having a very organized business. And sometimes at the detriment of their personal life or their personal life is just treated completely different. So, you know, maybe you want to set some financial goals personally, you know, start funding your retirement or pay off your house or other personal debt or possibly even put money away for your kid's college. Now, again, these are all personal goals. But for most of you listening, your sole source of income is also your business. So you can also see how this is directly tied together. Hey, maybe I'm making enough money right now to support my current habits but I want to pay off my house next year. In order to do so, I need to make an extra, you know, enter the amount here. But if you now know that target, you know, personally, that's now going to translate into your business because in a lot of cases, you are your business, your business is you. And again, you know, this is a very good time to be going down through a lot of different things, but maybe you have some non-financial goals personally, right? Maybe you want to lose weight. Maybe you want to get in better shape, start working out again. The gym, for those that go to the gym, first week of January is the worst time to be a member of a gym because it's going to be packed. Everyone sets those New Year's resolutions on it. Now, hopefully you do a better job in sticking to it. But, you know, again, just like the business, setting goals personal is important as well. Now, some other non-financial things work less in your business. How many of you listening to this right now say, you know what, I'm happy with the money. I'm happy with kind of the way my business is going, the reputation, the team of what I built, but I work too damn much. So many times I hear clients saying, this is my first vacation I've taken in five years, or I haven't even you know missed a single day of work, or I work seven days about it, right? So there's a perfect goal. Hey, you know what? I want to be able to take some time off. I want to be able to not go into the shop every single day. 
Again, just like the financials goals we were setting before, that's a great goal to set, but you need actionable items. All right, if I don't want to go in, who is going to do what I do now? All right, if I don't have that person, what does that person look like? All right, once I do analyze what that person looks like, when do I need to get them in there or how long is it going to take them to actually be trustworthy and stuff like that? And again, this probably goes hand in hand with working less, but hey, now that you're working less and you have all this free time, what do you want to do with it, right? Do you want to start a hobby, be able to spend more time doing it, et cetera, et cetera. So much of this stuff is so interrelated, but it makes sense, right? You're very interrelated with your business. All people listening to this own or work for small businesses. These aren't major corporations. We don't have pensions here, right? We don't have redundant staff. Everyone is important and most owners are also actively involved as well. So your business is your personal life and sometimes, unfortunately, vice versa as well. So now is the best time to do this because not only do we want to start off the new year on the right foot, this is probably the slowest week of the year for most business, uh, most people business-wise. It's always good to do some self-reflection, business and personal. And if you had a great year, then how do you replicate what worked and build from there for next year? And if you're listening to this, counting the days until 2022 is over, what are you going to do differently to make next year a better year or even better than what you had before? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So like I said, tune in next week, uh, the first episode of 2023, and we're going to get out my crystal ball and kind of share my thoughts on what the overall economy looks like and how that's going to affect us as business owners in 2023. So please share this with friends. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, or even want to be a guest on an episode, please shoot me an email at podcast at Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on the aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listing app. So I want to just say thanks, thanks, thanks again for listening to Business by the Numbers. Um, wrapping this up for 2022, first year of doing this. So I just wanted to say thank you. Um, I didn't imagine this many people would want to listen to an accountant ramble on into a microphone in his basement, but the feedback is awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, I love to hear that this has been helping people out. So stay safe out there and I will talk to you all next week and next year. Thanks. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.